Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good? You alive? Who heard the birds bright and early this morning? Who wanted to tell them to go away? Who's ready for summer to come round? That's the good news in all this, eh? You lose an hour, but you gain summer. It's like, cool. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Um, so one of the notices this morning was Bless Your Neighbor Month. And uh, who remembers Bless Your Neighbor Month in March? Who remembers being intentional to bless your neighbor? Anyone remember specifically being intentional about this? Because this is, this is the word for us, right? This is this isn't just a good idea. This is the word that God has given Greg and the elders and something that they've brought to us as a family. And uh, I really didn't like Bless Your Neighbor Month in March, if I'm honest. Can I be honest with you this morning? Um, I was having a laugh with Stu this morning. It's almost like I wanted to move house <laughs> in March because I didn't want to bless my neighbor. Um, uh, long story short, we moved to a new place and and uh, every single neighbor came and met me and came and greeted themselves and said, hey, welcome to the area, welcome to the street. And all of them on their own accord had something to say about the one particular neighbor. And I was like, that is so interesting. That is really interesting. I'm like, wonder how much of this is true. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, I'm just going to, you know, it's cool. We'll just continue going forward. And... Um, our garage, when we bought it, was so uh, rotten that literally you could push it over and it would like it was just going to fall over. And um, when Josh started pulling the walls apart, it was that one post was holding it up, <laughs> the whole thing. It looked, it looked like it was stable, but it, it definitely wasn't, and it was super rotten. Anyway, we replaced like for like, and uh, we, we, we turned it into a, a usable garage again. And in that process... Monday morning, which is my day off, Monday morning, 7.30 a.m., I get a bang at the door, and it's my neighbor. I'm like, oh, he's wanting to come say hi to me. It's cool. But he didn't really want to say hi. He wanted to complain about something that we were doing and wanted to challenge it. And it wasn't so much what he was saying, it was how he was saying it, that it was what we've been talking about recently, which is this pressure cooker environment, right? Who wants to be pressure cooked at 7.30 on a Monday morning? Not me. And something in me just stood up and I was like, nah, nah, and flesh just came out. And my brother Josh and Darren were, um, they were the builders. I was just the helper. I was, they were the do this and I would do it guy. Um, and they witnessed the whole thing of me just flesh coming out of this guy. And I, I was like, I wasn't going to punch the dude because he's bigger than me. But it was not pretty, you know. And um, anyway, this was before March. And then around came Bless Your Neighbor Month. <laughs> awesome, Lord. You know what? I just really feel the Lord wants me to bless every single other person. <laughs> You don't literally mean my neighbor, do you, Lord? <laughs> like that neighbor. And he did. And um, not very stoked to say that it took weeks for me, just because pride, just because I had this run-in with him. I actually, 
I, I threatened him sort of not like angrily, but I was like, I was like, hey, I really like murals. And he's like, he's like, what are you trying to say? I was like, I just like murals. My garage faces your house. <laughs> that was my punch. <laughs> and it was like, that's kind of funny, but it's kind of not cool at the same time. And um, so Bless Your Neighbor Month came around, and I'm like, oh, Lord. I can find, I can be intentional about blessing people in my life. Man, I can buy someone a coffee. I can give them a smile. You know, these are always the examples that we use. It's like, yep, $5 coffee didn't cost me that much. Uh, A smile didn't cost me anything. Maybe I was feeling grumpy, so it cost me a little bit of chin and cheek energy. But the Lord was pressing on my heart that I need to make things right with this neighbor. And it took way too long. And I remember I, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just hang around the van and like put things in the garage, which I needed to do. And I was like, I'll just wait to see him, wait to see him, because I always see him. And I'm um, like, oh, Lord. And I started marching up and down the street, just praying. I'm like, Lord, you've got to do a work in my heart, because I don't want to just go and knock on his door and then run into the same thing again. And um, God had done something in my heart that I was like, nah, I need to go over there. And I knocked on the door. I said, hey, I want to apologize for being a really bad neighbor. (laughs) And he's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. And I knocked on the door, and he opened the door this much. And it's a glass door. And it's like, it's like, really? And, um, And I said, look, I want to apologize for my part to play in our little interruption. (laughs) And I really am sorry. And it's not the person that I want to be. It's not what I want to be in this neighborhood. It's not what I want to be on the street. And I see you every day and I don't want to ignore you for the rest of my life. That would be average. And, um, and he, he looked at me and I was like, well, here it is. Brace for it. (laughs) He opened the door and he said, all right then. And he put out his hand and I was like, well, that wasn't so hard, was it? What was going on in my heart, you know? It's like all of this stuff. Simply bless your neighbor. <laughs> like, what? Man, um, we, uh, we have so many people join us on a Sunday morning, right? But we're family. And I've been a part of leadership environments within the church for years and years and years and years and years. And years. And something that's always taught is, you know, it's, we're not a church, we're a family, and we're a family, and we're a family. Someone came recently, uh, he's a leader in another community, and he came in, and he, uh, he was part of our service. And after the service, I just got chatting to him. And he said, you know, from the moment I walked through these doors, I knew that this was a family. I knew that we, these, this group of people who don't all live in the same house, but I knew that you were a family. And then the big question came. He said, how did you do it? How did you initiate that culture? How did you make it happen? You know, did you run family nights? Did you run family gatherings? Did you just change your language? It's like, well, all of those things sort of happened, but that wasn't the change. God has truly transformed us into a a people that aren't just a people that gather in this place on a Sunday morning and a Sunday afternoon and in different discipleship groups around the city. 
It's actually that we are becoming this family of God. And so he's looking for the how-tos. And I'm like, man, God started a work in us a number of years ago where he flipped a number of things on its head. And it was like, I want you to get real. I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I want you to love your neighbor. (laughs) Knowing him, loving others, walking together. It's really hard to love others if you don't know him. It's easy as to love others in your own strength until it's 7.30 in the morning on a Monday, and then your strength is like, nah. And unless you know him, and this, all that, all that pressure cooker environment did for me was expose the lack. And so instead of bumming out, which I did, it should have been going, God, I need more of you. I need more of you in this area. I need more of you in my life that you would continue to do a work. I was just thinking as we were um, praying uh, while having communion, and um, that song, it says, you make me new, and you are making me new. So he's made us new. We're covered. The father sees his perfect son when he looks at us. So we're blemishless, spotless, yet he's making us new. His heart is that we would mature, that we would grow, that we would blossom into the people that he's truly called us to be. So he's making us new, which is a process. And it's not overnight. The, the made us new is, that's, that's, that's in the, the second that you decide in your heart and truly give your life over. And we're justified, just as if we never sinned. But the sanctification process is a lot longer and it's a lot different. And it's actually a maturing process. Um, I just want to share a few stories with you this morning. And it's how God speaks to me. He he makes me do things literally, and then he speaks through it. Um, For example, we built a deck a number of years ago. And through the whole process, he shared with me about that. And I I got to share that with our family, what, eight, nine years ago. Um, And this morning, I, I just want to share a few stories uh, who was at the leadership practices? We've been having leadership practices first of the month, uh, Wednesday, first of the month in the cafe. And um, it was in April, Greg Scully was speaking. And he's sharing all these examples. And as one, as the, one of the examples, he's like, it's as if Kirk was training for a triathlon. What would he need to do? He'd need to do this, 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 and this, and this. I'm like, that is random, talking about me training for a triathlon, and I sort of just threw it aside. Over the next few days and weeks, the Lord started like bringing this thought of a triathlon back to my mind. I'm like, that is so bizarre because I hate running. (laughs) I really don't like bike riding, and I can't swim. I can surf and I can paddle all day on a surfboard, but it's different muscles to swim underwater, and I just ran out of breath. I'm like, and I'm like, so... Either that's God or it's just a really dumb idea. And, I just, and so I put it before him. And, and, and I felt strongly that God was like, I want you to train for a triathlon. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I start to think through what I'm going to need to do. And so I have to invest. And firstly, I invested in a good pair of running shoes. And uh, I invested in a wind trainer because I'm really scared of one, lycra, and two... Um, riding on the road 
Um, riding on the road just freaks me out because I'm a driver and I see bikes all the time and I'm like, dude, you're going to get hit one day. And so I was like, I'm going to get a tra- uh, wind trainer so you can just park it in the, in the room inside and ride at home and start training. So I invested into that, right? And, um, and I was like, nah, I actually need accountability. So I spoke to the boys about it. I spoke to my discipleship guys. We meet the second Wednesday of the month. We have the guys, the, the ladies release the men, so they look after the kids, they cook the dinner, they sort that, and the men are released to go to discipleship, and then the following week, the men do the same so that the women are released. And uh, so I, said, I shared this with the men. I was like, man, I feel like he's put on my heart to do a triathlon, bizarre as it sounds. And so what we then did is we, we were like, right, jumped on our phones, Googled triathlons. We're like, we need a date. We need to make this happen. And up comes... Uh, the 10th of March uh, at Scorching Bay. And we're like, cool, we're gonna, I'm going to do, not we, they're like, you're going to do uh, <laughs> this triathlon on the 10th of March 2018. I'm like, excellent, sweet. So I start getting my head in the game and I start preparing myself. And I, and I actually, I, my diet needed to change. My thinking needed to change. I needed to get out and start doing exercise. I needed to start training. I remember the first day I started running, and I was like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And then I saw my shadow, and I was like, man, I am sucking at this. <laughs> like, I can't run. And I, you know, I couldn't run to the letterbox and back without getting an asthma attack. And, um, and so I started training, and it was so slow. But I was getting out there, and Mel was releasing me to, to you know, spend half an hour there, half an hour there, just going out and trying to learn how to ride a bike <laughs> I borrowed a bike from one of the boys. It's way too small for me, but it doesn't matter. And I start running, and I started swimming. And I started training, and it's like, man, this is cool. And God starts speaking to me through this. And it's like, yep, you know, it starts slow, but you're going to get better in. And he starts sharing the comparisons of actually this is how you can be with reading the Word, that, you know, it starts small, but it gets stronger and stronger, and you start to enjoy it all of a sudden. And I I remember I went away for a weekend, and I, I was like, I actually feel like going for a run. And so I put my shoes on, and I started going for a run. And I saw my shadow again um, uh, on, in the trees on the grass bank, and I was like, far out. I'm running. Like, I'm actually running. And it just, like, I was so stoked that, like, my legs started working. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing this. I'm, I can do this. And I ran, like, three or four Ks or something. And um, I started getting really excited about it. And uh, the one night, I, I was like, you know what? I actually need to, even though it's a year out, uh, it was less than that now, I need to book in this triathlon. Like, I need to pay the money, I need to sign up, and I need to make this official, you know, that I'm actually going to do this triathlon. Like, I'm, I'm starting to get excited about it. Still, like, no chance of doing 20K ride, 10K run, and a 5K swim or something it was or not less than that swim but um I I send an email off to Scorching Bay uh triathlons and then I get on the bike and I was on the bike for an hour dripping with sweat just like I could do this you know I'm I've actually got the finish line in my head and I'm picturing going around Scorching Bays like we'd looked at the maps and I'd sussed out how many laps of everything I need to do and I get off the bike and I check my phone and there's an email and they said hey Kirk uh We actually, the 10th of March was 2017, not 2018. I was like, 
hey? And then I keep reading, and they said, and actually, we're not doing triathlons anymore. We're on pause indefinitely. And it was like, like, like I was standing there, and I was like, what was the point of that? <laughs> Seriously, I was like, I was so bummed and so, like, confused and, like, why did I go through all of this for something that's not even happening? And I actually got a bit frustrated, and I lost all motivation. Like, I stopped training for the next week or two weeks, and I was just a bit like, what's the point? And I, I remember going, God, did you put it on my heart to do a triathlon? He's like, yep, I did. I was like, so what's that about? What's the lesson here to learn? He's like, well, did I tell you to do that one? I was like, no. Like, we got it on our phones. We Googled it. And up came this. And all of us together somehow managed to choose one that had already been. And I'm training for a triathlon that isn't happening. He's like, so where did you go wrong? It's like this brilliant God idea, this thing that he put on my heart. And then I started running, training for this race, head in the game, invested in it, I'm all in. And I never included him in the next part. It was like I, got, I go, sweet God, I got this. Now I'm going to make it happen. You spoke to me. Now I'll make it happen. I Googled it. Like, how often can we, who was here for Steve uh, McCracken a couple of nights, uh, Sunday nights ago? The question he asked, which will never leave my mind, is he said, how is your obedience when Father God asks you to do something that you don't want to do? How is your obedience? Not how was, like Mel and I always crack up because it's like, you know, we've got these testimonies, these stories of things that God's done in us. And the, m- the more years that we share them, the further away that they actually happened. It's like they're not current anymore, yet we speak of them like they're current, you know. So it's how is, not how was your obedience. How is your obedience? And then he emphasized the word your. How is your? And I was like, far out, I do. I'm always like, man, we're growing as a church family. Our discipleship group is killing it. We're smashing it. How's your obedience? And it's like, it's like that with, with this triathlon. How's your obedience? It's like, cool, Lord, I'll do this triathlon. And then I separated from the vine and tried to make it happen in my own strength. And I keep going around in circles like this. This is like a continuous thing that I keep falling into because... It's like I hear right, yep, I heard right, and then I'll try and do it. And it's like somewhere along the way, somewhere along the process, it's like I involve God, I involve God, I'm communing with Him, I'm one with Him, I'm listening, I'm, man, this is beautiful. And then it's like the second that you take the next step, it's like you can, you can so easily be in and then be out. And then months of training for something that doesn't even exist. And he's called us to run this race, right? 
And the whole thing, I'm like, man, I, I just, I've got the finish line in my head. And I'm asking other people who had done triathlons. Uh, we've got an actual triathlete here, Marty, my mate. He's, he's down from Auckland. He used to be a part of this family and still very much is a part of this, this house. Um, and he, he used to compete nationally and internationally for triathlons. And I'm asking all these people who had done triathlons, like, what does the finish line look like so I can visualize it, so I can picture it and run towards that? And, um, and it was like, it all got shattered the moment that I realized I'm running the wrong, like I'm training for something that doesn't exist. And sure, I could just go, okay, what's another triathlon? And there's other ones that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do around the same time that I've actually involved God in the process. But it's just such an incredible lesson. And um, I started to think about other examples of where I've felt these emotions, where it's like God's asked me to do something and I've stepped into it. And then somewhere along the way, things have maybe gone a little bit more of me than it is of him. And then it ends in confusion, demotivation, frustration. Now, the story that Mel and I always like share is that and I've shared it with probably all of you a number of times, is that God called us into ministry. And that was, there was no doubt. There was, it was a Sunday night. We were, sitting there, we, were, we were praying, and I, I never heard it again, but it was like the audible voice of God said, quit your jobs, both of you, and go and serve Johnny and Bex, who were the youth pastors. And we were like, um, we were just the, uh, some of the youth leaders and we were really supporting them and just loved everything about youth. But never, like, wanted to be doing this as a job. Um, I had other plans. And, uh, and God was like, quit your jobs and go and serve Johnny and Bex full time. Long story short, Mel and I, we prayed into it and was like, yep, cool. So Monday morning, the very next morning, how is your obedience? We were obedient to it. We quit all of our jobs. I had a number of different things that I was doing, and Mel was working in a, um, in a clothing store. And, and uh, then we, we said, Johnny, we, Johnny and Bex, we want to come around for dinner. And uh, they said, look, we're busy all of this week. Come next week, uh, Tuesday night. So we had to wait Monday to Tuesday, a whole week in advance. And in that time, the enemy got in my head, and I'm coming home crying, going, how am I supposed to be a supportive husband? This is like nine months into our marriage and I'm like, gonna, like, how am I going to support us? We're going to have to move out of this beautiful three-bedroom house in Tite Bay down the road from the beach. Like, it's, everything's going to change. But God spoke, so we were obedient to it. And we sat in front of Johnny and Bex, and we're like, we've got exciting news. God said this. We've quit our jobs. And they started laughing. And they said, um, Monday last week, which is when we were on the phones calling our bosses and, and quitting, um, uh, Johnny was walking the dog and Bex was driving uh, along the motorway and God spoke to them both individually and said, you need to quit your jobs. Kirk and Mal are going to come on board as the youth pastors and, um, and take it before Greg and the elders, which they did. And in that week, so while I'm fretting, in that week, God outworked it all that Johnny and Bex actually were thinking that this Tuesday night dinner with us was a moment to present, sow the seed that, hey, have you ever considered coming on board? And so there was no doubt in my mind that God called us into 
the youth. And youth was called FITE, F-I-T-E. It was fought for, invested in for today and for eternity. And man, this place was cranking on a Friday night. Over there, we had a half pipe. We had a basketball court through here. We had um, uh, projectors with Xboxes because they were all the big thing. And then we had pool tables and the pool table ripped up all the carpet, which is why all, all of these stains are from us. And um, ping pong tables and the cafe was open and it was like this humming place. And I had no doubt that God called us into it. And Johnny and Beck's transition and then they moved to South Africa, which is where God was calling them and they were being obedient to that. But it was like week two of, or week one of actually being officially on staff because there was like a three-month transition where we moved in with the Gillings because we had no money and um, it was just this beautiful transition period. But it was week one was 2010, which is uh, Sunday morning, two, three weeks ago, Greg shared the first message on the pressure test. So it's probably about a month ago. And he shared uh, with us about 2010 and he, he was presented with these two letters and there's this pressure cooker environment and God co- told him to keep his mouth shut. But the whole of this place got rocked. God shook this place up because he said, now is the time that I want you to get more real. Do you truly know me? My people don't know me. They love me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And God literally started shaking this place. Week one of us being on staff and running this youth. And so while we're trying to maintain this youth ministry, which is, was cranking and there was hundreds of kids that would come each week, God's starting to do an internal work on this family, on this body. And individually, like God starts speaking to me and Mel, and, um, and he's speaking to Greg, but he started revealing to me areas in this youth that were dysfunctional. And he started to reveal to me the thing that I'm laying my life down for and going all out for is actually broken. You know, something that we're never going to get away from now is discipleship. Discipleship is key. Yet within this environment, which is humming, discipleship wasn't an aspect. And when you look at a body, a family, you know, like, I just love it. It's like whenever we release the kids on a Sunday morning, it's like chaos. It's like all of a sudden all these kids stand up and they're... And it's super noisy. But how amazing is it that the kids are with us and as a family we're declaring our praise to God. Back in the day, it was like we were two different communities. There was youth on a Friday night and then there was the family that gathered on a Sunday morning and then Sunday night was sort of a mesh of both. And I I actually remember communicating to the youth that it was like, you know, we don't need the older people we got this. We're a new generation. This is what God's doing. And I'd inherited all of this lingo from all these different youth conferences and all this different leadership teachings and stuff that I I'd soaked in. And I remember out of my mouth, I'm saying things like this. We don't need Sunday because we're going after this and God's doing such an awesome work in Friday nights. And he was. He was moving powerfully. But it's like, then he started to reveal how dysfunctional 
areas were. And I remember it was, you know, through conversations with Greg and praying and going, God, what are you doing? Because he's, as he's shaking the foundations of this place, obviously fight is a, a part of that. And so that started to get rattled as well. And it was this, this moment of feeling exactly how I felt when I realized the triathlon didn't exist. All of a sudden, I'm like, well, what's the point? Why am I going crazy each week serving my guts out for these young people if I'm running in the wrong lane, if we're going in the wrong direction? This is confusing, Lord. This is disheartening. What do you mean we've been doing it wrong? And these are the thoughts that I'm asking. It's like, why are you shaking this? It was good. It was growing. The external was amazing. So many kids were coming. So many incredible testimonies of God encountering lives and young people turning to him. Yet, when I started to look at the things that it's founded on, it's like he's just starting to shake it. And he's going, will you submit? Will you come under the bigger picture? Will you actually be a part of this family? Are you going to align your thinking, which will align your language, which will align the whole direction of youth? And as he started to shake this, I got demotivated. What's the point? You know, all of this was for no reason. And he's like, no, actually, I want to realign your thinking. And there is so, so much more on offer, so much more. And so we started to just do little things. We'd change nights from instead of having games and that before having a service, we would encourage to move into discussion. We're talking about things like we do on a Sunday night. We're having a message and then we're discussing it. We're trying to encourage um, discipleship throughout the week. And all of a sudden these kids are like, oh, we don't want that. We never wanted that. And I started to see it so much differently. It's like God just gave me a different filter where it's like, a number of these kids are just coming because it's a great environment. And that's cool. And they're coming because there's girls there. Or there's boys there. Or they're coming because it's a good thing to do on a Friday night. Or they're coming because their parents are dropping them off. And their parents are literally saying to me, please disciple my kids. And I'm starting to realize that this is not actually how he's designed the body to function. Parents raise your children in the ways of the Lord. Discipleship starts in the home. It's not having these meetings where it's like, hey, my kid's misbehaving, you need to do a better job. It's like, I just see them on a Friday night and maybe on a Sunday if you bring them. And it's like more and more of this was actually just starting to go, God's just going, wow, there's a bigger thing happening. And as we started to align different fruit started to come. Fruit that was unshakable. Fruit that was present when other events were happening on a Friday night. You know, we'd, we'd check calendars to make sure what's going on on a Friday night because if something was happening, it's like, oh, we're going to have a quiet night because all the kids just, whoosh, they're like these sheep that just go here, there, and everywhere. Yet if you're a part of a body, a family, 
if you're growing, if you're growing spiritually, then these people come alive. And so it was this feeling of just disillusionment and confusion and this lack of motivation all of a sudden because my whole world as I knew it had been shaken. Yet we couldn't, with what God had shown us, we couldn't continue doing things the way that we were doing them. There was such a conviction in my heart that we could not continue doing things the way that we were doing them. Things had to change. Things had to align. And man, I am so grateful that we said yes because there's such, there were so many opportunities just to go, well, I'm going to go down the road and I'll go be a part of another youth that is doing this, that is growing and getting bigger and it's all about what I was thinking that it was about. Yet he'd put such a con- uh, uh, conviction on my heart that he's like, this is the real thing that I want you to chase after. This is the thing that I want you to do to be speaking. This is the thing that I want you to be encouraging young people to actually come into. And it's what he's been doing with us as a family. He's going, it's an internal work, not firstly an external work. And as an external, someone that loves to put on big events and I love seeing more and more people and I hate seeing empty seats, I would much rather put all my energy into making sure the external is pumping if I'm being honest. Yet I've had to lay it down and go, he's wanting to do an internal work in me and an internal work in us. Is it because he doesn't want us to outreach anymore? No. It's because all of a sudden when it's aligned, me being transformed, my thinking renewed, coming to this point where I'm so full of him that it bubbles out, I can't help but bless my neighbor. I was thinking about it. Instead of the church meeting at Unit 10, 4 Glover Street, Naronga Gorge, the church that is set apart, that is coming alive, that has had this internal work done in them, all of a sudden becomes external. And instead of us gathering here, and this is the church. The church all of a sudden are on the train on the way to work. The church are behind a coffee bar. The church are in, on a building site. They're in office buildings. They're all scattered around the city. <coughs> and it's like, man, that has the potential to multiply a hundredfold. Way more than what I was planning. I'm trying to bring everyone in. And he's wanting to do an internal work in the people that we would become external when we would go out. See how opposite that can be? Yet it sounds like a good idea. It's almost like I Googled it. It's almost like I was like, man, brilliant, Lord. How do I do this? I'll separate from you and I'll Google it and I'll do it in my own strength and I'll run full pace ahead only to find that I've been running the wrong race or training for something that doesn't exist. And you know, as I was praying this week for us, for this, us this morning, it's just, it was so heavy on my heart that I, I believe there's people here that your, your story might be different, but it's the same. 
that maybe you've been a part of a ministry, a work of God, something that was so of him, something that was so yes and amen, and then maybe somewhere along the lines, things got a little bit confused, and you maybe did what I did and just left him out of one vital piece of information and then started running this thing, and you lay your life down for it. You guys are incredible at serving him and serving one another. Like, I'm amazed this morning people were here an hour earlier than they need to be. So it's 6.30 for the music team we're here. There wasn't one person come in and go, we serve one another because we serve this incredible king. Because he loves us, we're able to love one another. It bubbles out of us. But it's phenomenal what he truly wants to do in us. And... um. As I was praying for us, I just feel like there's some people here that have become demotivated, maybe become a bit confused. Your conviction is that I'm not walking away from God ever. That's no doubt. But things that have been going on or things that I've been running for crazy, just going hard, all of a sudden through what's being spoken here, it's like, well, that doesn't align. And he's starting to shake it. And you're like, well, don't shake that. You said to do that. And maybe he's going, I want to realign it in your thinking. I want to take your passion and actually adjust it so that you're running in the correct lane, running the correct race that I've asked you to do. And um, it's beautiful this morning uh, during the prayer. It was just word after word that just kept coming out. And it's things like realigning their thinking. Refresh. Who needs to be refreshed this morning? Because when you feel demotivated like I did, when you feel confused and a bit thrown out, you just start to feel dry. And you still show up and you still put on a good face and you still are part of this family, but you can feel dry And you just need to be refreshed. And then we sung this beautiful song where the bridge says, come back, come back to your first love. And I'm like, that's it. And it's not come back to what you said nine years ago. It's come back to the person who asked you to do something nine years ago. Because that's so much what I try and do. I go, well, this formula worked last time. And that was so of God. And look at the result. This testimony is powerful. He's like, don't come back to the formula. Come back to me. And let me allow you to shape and mold you and send you in the right path. And the chorus is, living rain. (laughs) Living rain, flood my heart again. Living rain, over my street, O spirit, reside. Over my street? It's like, that sounds like bless your neighbor month. (laughs) Open wide heaven skies. Over my street, O spirit reside. Living rain, flood my life again. It's beautiful. Come back to your first love. And it's not to say that you've walked away from Jesus. It's not to say that you've walked away from your faith or denied it or been a bad person. It might just be to come back and just check in 
to go, God, am I still doing what you've asked me to do? Or is somehow I've just added something in? It's like, what's that little bit of yeast changes the whole dough? It's so subtle, yet it can send you off in the wrong direction, only to get a real disheartening email saying, dude, that was already been, that's already been. The other thing I wanted to share was, I'll start with a story. A friend of mine, um, he had a friend. That's a great way to start, eh? a friend of a friend. had a, uh, But he owned a rental place in Australia. And this is a true story as I've heard it from a friend of a friend. So <laughs> it must be true. <laughs> Google it. Um, he owned a rental place. And the tenants... Uh, phoned him or emailed him and said, hey, uh, we're wanting to move out. Um, this is our 40 days notice or something. And, uh, and so it came to the day where they were moving out and he went to do his inspection. And he went to do his inspection and he's walking around the house and he was sort of like, oh, I can't really be bothered to do this inspection, but I think I need to do it. And so he's walking through this house and it's his house. He owned it. And he's like, everything looks like it was, but something doesn't sit right. (laughs) Something is different. The color of the walls are the same. The walls are still in the same place. The carpet's the same. Smells the same. And he walked through the whole house, and as he was about to go out and sign um, the bit of paper, say, yep, you've been released, he just had this sense to go back and check inside the... um, it's called the walk-in pantry where the food's kept. <laughs> That's bizarre. He walks in the pantry. He's like, yep, that looks normal. Turns around. That's not normal. The back of the pantry door was black, charcoal, smoke. And he's like, that wasn't how I left it. So he went next door and he asked the neighbors. He said, hey, did anything weird happen? They said, yeah, a few months ago the kitchen caught fire. And the whole house was burning from the inside out. They managed to put it out. um, But they've been renovating the inside for a number of weeks. And uh, they managed to get it all looking back to normal. Except they forgot the back of the pantry door. Obviously it was closed. And then when they opened it, it was probably one of those fold ones or something. And it gave it away. And he's like, did this kitchen catch fire? And they're like, oh, yeah. Were you going to tell me? Nah. Can we have our bond back? <laughs> and when I heard that, I was captivated because it made me instantly think of sin. And how when sin enters our life, all we want to do is cover it up. And man, we do a good job. We do a fantastic job of covering it up. But the, the Father heart of God is that he would bring it to the surface, that it would be exposed so that it can be dealt with and that it can be real. And you can only really do that through discipleship. And you can only be confident or able to allow yourself to be exposed when you're part of a family and when you want more of him. And this made me think about when I was 17, And when I was 17, I 
was going all out for the Lord. I was leading Christian groups and being part of Christian surfers and doing all of these different things. And I'm part of youth. And, and for me, it was very, um, like, religious. I just, I loved the environments and I loved, I just knew it was a good thing. And so I invested everything into it and I was going all out. But the thing that was lacking, it was all external. And the thing that was lacking was the internal and I've grown up, I grew up in, in this house, and I have been a part of it. But the thing that was lacking was this relationship with God, this know me. And so along comes temptation in the way of a girl, and Christian, cool, but sin starts to enter. And because I'm so terrified of being exposed, I just did an excellent job of covering it up. And we started sleeping together, which was a bad move, and I wish I never did it. But it instantly just made things unhealthy. And we were both insecure in ways, and we were both not in right relationship with God. And so it just allowed this stuff to happen. Yet on the external... For a few months, I'm juggling it, trying to cover it up and trying to look who I said I was. And I became so fearful of being exposed because I was like, I was all about the external, obviously. And I was so fearful of the external being exposed and then coming crashing down that it just got more and more unhealthy and more and more in a bad way. To the point where I said... I we need to break up. And she said, I can't because I'm pregnant. Right there, my whole world came crashing down. I'm like, my external is now smashed. And it was this pressure cooker environment where it's like, well, what am I going to do? And I just remember not knowing what to do. Feeling deflated, feeling, uh uh-oh. And I went home and I sat down in the lounge and I cried and I told my parents. Expecting to be kicked out or something. So disappointed in you. And my mum stood up and she walked out and I was like, yep, I was expecting that. And she came back from their bedroom with a piece of paper. And it was one of the most powerful moments of my life. And it was this handwritten prayer of repentance. She said, son, we're going to pray this as a family. And it was like the power of God just came over. And it's like, what was I so scared about? And um turned out that she wasn't pregnant at all. But it didn't matter because I I needed that to break me. I needed it to break me. And I remember just being so unmotivated, so disillusioned, so confused. But God, I've done all this for you. 
done all this for you. And I remember coming here one night. I'd been in another church family, and I just couldn't be there anymore. And I went searching, and in that time, three people caught up with me every couple of days, and they taught me what discipleship actually looked like. They said, we're going to talk. We're going to share. We're not going to concern ourselves with the external because God's about the internal, that you would actually be transformed, that you would actually be formed into the person he's created you and desires you to be. And I walked in here, and I didn't want to come in here. I didn't want to come back here because I thought I knew what it was. But I felt God led me to here. And I was standing in the cafe. It was a uh, a youth service, and Brooke Turner was speaking. And at the end, he went around ministering to people. I'm like, yeah, I know the drill, you know. But I was like, I can't play this anymore. I can't just allow myself to be external. I had such a conviction that he was so true, so real, yet I was so distant from him. And I remember he was like, this pole to me away. And he looked at me. And I've fallen over lots of times in the spirit. Uh, well, not in the spirit. I've actually fallen over because I look down the line and go, oh, here we go. We all fall over. Three, two, one. Woo! <laughs> because it's an external thing, right? And so I just copied. And at one point, I didn't want to go over, and then the person pushed me over. And so I'm like, I know this. And I wasn't expecting it, and I'm standing there, and he's praying, he's ministering, and it's because of where my heart was now that I'm like, God, I'm so desperate. I'm so in need of you. I am stuffed without you. I've given up on the external thing because it's worthless. It's all meaningless if I don't know you. And boom, I fall over straight onto that concrete floor. I hit the floor and I cannot move. The Lord, and, it's, and, and I, no one was around. Brooke was there. It wasn't Brooke. And God ministered to my heart just as he did with my parents in the lounge. And he said, son, I'm covering you. I'm making you whole. I'm renewing you. I'm going to teach you about who I am. I'm going to pour out my love on you, more and more of my love on you. I'm going to teach you what it looks like to be in discipleship. I'm going to teach you what it looks like to be in relationship with me, that you would truly, truly know me. And it was the most powerful thing that I think I've ever encountered. And I couldn't move, and I was just saturated in his love. And it's from there that I was like, I went straight to Johnny, who I knew, but I didn't know. And I said, and he knew that I was very capable of doing things, and I'd been part of youth and part of this and the other thing. And I said, Johnny, I'm here. I want to walk with you. And any time that you tell me that you're available, I'll be there. And so it was like super early in the mornings. (laughs) And I said, I want to walk with you because I need to know the God that you know, and I don't want to serve at all. That was my heart. I was like, I don't want to lift a chair. I don't want to do anything because I don't know him. And it has to come from that place. And over a period of weeks and months, and months became years, that God did such a work in my life that I actually became to know him 
And because I know him, I can't stop serving. I love serving him. And serving him looks like serving you and serving a lost world and becoming a people that don't just gather here on a Sunday. We gather here and we're, we're encouraged and we're edified and we're equipped to be able to go out and actually be the church that he's created us to be. And so I can't wait to get out. Yet I have these moments that I shared with at the start with my neighbor. <laughs> these things happen, but it's whether we choose to engage with this, whether we choose to allow God to do the work, because it's just exposing another lack. And he goes, yep, there's more, there's more, there's more. And it's through this relationship. And, you know, I'm so grateful that we're not the people we were. You know, Cindy's word all those years ago, she said, the people you are today is not who, oh, the people yeah, who are today is not who you were, and the people you are today is not who you're going to be. And the same time, at the time, I was like, yeah, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> but actually, I started to hear what the Lord was truly saying. And now I realize, and it's when I have conversations with my friend who's leading another church where he's like, how did you get this feeling of family? How is it that I walk in here and I, I know that you guys are a family? It's because he's done an internal work in us that over time is becoming external. And we're becoming a transformed people. So I want to encourage us. If you're feeling confused or you're feeling demotivated, you're feeling like you've come to the end of something that you thought was him and maybe he's realigning, uh, shifting your thinking, seek him on it. Go back to him and say, Lord, did I step off at some point? Did I disconnect? been looking at the vine, John 15. It's like you can't actually disconnect from him. But I can in my thinking. I can in my heart. And I make one decision, and it can, if it's not a renewed decision, if it's not revealed, then it's me. And then it just, whoosh, off we go again, <laughs> around another mountain. And so I want to encourage us. Maybe God wants to expose something in your heart. And the exposing is good. Not because he wants to go, see? <laughs> he actually wants to go, I want you to be whole, and I want you to be new. And when you're new, then I want to make you new. Make you more like me. Not just justified. That's the message that I used to speak over and over again. Get saved and then go and save others. What? It's like, no, that's the first part. Know Jesus. Give your whole life to him. He wants all. Whole life and then go on this process with a family of believers, like-minded, that are going to challenge you, that are going to encourage you, that are going to equip you to be sanctified, to be made mature. He's making us new. He's made us new, and he's making us new. So thank you, Lord, for this morning. I pray if anything I said uh, was true, that you would just continue to speak it throughout the week, that you would reveal things in our lives. And, Father, I pray if anyone's discouraged this morning, that they would choose to turn and seek you on it and to ask you, Father. And I pray that you would refresh 
this morning. I pray for living water to come and fill dry bones, that we would be the church that you've called us to be, not just running uh, dry, not just running thirsty, but Lord, that we would be full because we're, um, we're on living water and living manna straight from heaven. Not straight from the mouth of people or Google or good ideas, but Lord, that we allow all of that to be filtered through because we seek it from you, that we go back to the source and we say, Lord, what about this? Is this from you? Is this of you? Is this what you want me to um, put my time and energy into? And that, Lord, through relationship, through discussion, through investment with you, Father, that we would become the people that you've called us to be. So I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this family. In Jesus' name, amen.